Welcome to Rock Shop Talk. Our show talks best practices, fun anecdotes, and the latest cutting-edge technology in our field to kick your screen printing gears into hyperdrive. Today's episode features the topic of data-driven printing and the digital dive, and we're joined by our special guest, Ryan Moore of Ryanet and RockUS's own Don Hatton. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be right back. I want to welcome everybody to Rock Shop Talk. Today's episode features data-driven printing and the digital dive, and we are joined by Mr. Ryan Moore of Ryanet. How's it going, Ryan? Hello. Good to see you. I feel like Uh, I'm talking to a celebrity. Oh, thanks, man. I feel like I'm talking to one, so this will be fun. Um, We're also joined here by Don Hatton, uh, Rock US's CFO. Alongside me here also is Mr. Merrill Caps, our creative producer. Hey, hey. Good to see you, man. Um, So I want to update everyone. Quick news. Uh, Again, we've talked about it a bajillion times. I say this every time, but our tour bus is finally getting wrapped uh, by Dallas over at Opaque Screen Printing. Hoping to have that back in a couple of weeks, get some pictures up online and uh, get ready to maybe launch off our first uh, maiden voyage uh, somewhere. Uh, we got to figure out where, where that makes sense and uh, we'll give it a test drive and hope the transmission and motor don't fail us uh, in the middle of nowhere somewhere. So I was just in Montana and I would say that that would be a good spot to maybe head out to minus the big hills on the way there. I like the idea. Well, the, the big hills, I guess, would test the bus. Yeah, so I think we should do that. <laughs> I heard you uh, went on some crazy roads, too. Maybe we can do a little off-roading and just really put it to the test. No? We wouldn't do that. No, okay, not a good idea. <laughs> awesome. Um, so we will have that. If you want to be a part of the tour, email us at hello at rock.us. That's hello at roq.us and get on that list. Um, it'll probably be a backlog. I know we've already got some people that have reached out that, that want to visit. Um, and we will try to uh, get everyone we can on a schedule again when it makes sense to travel. Um, so we're going to dive in today um, really about data within our industry. We're going to talk about you know, the effects that COVID has had. We're going to talk about the transformation into the digital market and what the web to print market has really seen. Um, Really excited to be joined by Ryan today. Um, He's, you know, been in this industry for a long time from a supply standpoint and obviously has a, a very large customer base with a lot to really offer us in terms of, you know, trends and what he's seen and how data um, has affected his business over time and, you know, kind of getting, you know, on that journey to, to today. So um, let's, let's kick off, Ryan. Um, how is data used in screen printing and how have you personally used it to, to transform your business, you know, since inception? Well, I think that a lot of screen printers just start screen printing and a lot of business owners just start a business without really understanding data and the use of it. So data can be a great thing. Um, it can also be misinterpret- misinterpreted. Um, um, but I think the first thing is starting to understand how to use it in a business setting, whether that's forecasting the economy or what's happening with uh, a recession or with a virus or in your own shop on how to make the next move, get your next press, get your next uh, you know, equipment investment. So it can be used in and outside of a business if, if you know first how to measure it and then once you measure it, you can use it to manage your business and then how to look at it and see it 
uh, to know where things are headed around you. What are some starting like pieces of data that you can recommend everyone look at just from like a base level? I started my business, you know, this is new to me. I'm getting out in the marketplace. I'm selling some things like for, from a screen printing standpoint, what are, what are some first data points that people should really look at? So as you started your business, because you've been, you, you know, you used to run a shop and actually mm-hmm. helped you start your shop. What was the number one thing that you managed, you, that you measured? How, what was the number one thing? That you well, when I, when I started, it was, uh, you know, how many t-shirts could I sell and how many were moving out the door? I mean, it was, it was as simple as that. Was it t-shirts or was it revenue? You, did you know your- It was revenue. I mean, I think at first, you know, you think about that volume. So when I first started getting orders, it was, you know, oh, I got a 50 shirt order, right? It's, I thought of things in those terms. And I think as I grew, you know, through it, I realized that, you know, it really mattered on what that, that revenue was, but it definitely took me a while to get there, right? Because I started as an artist. So to me, it was about the art and I had to learn, you know, this whole business aspect of it. Yeah, I think a lot of screen printers and business owners, I mean, I remember starting a business and this business consultant walked into my office and I always knew my top line numbers. I knew revenue. Like I knew what we booked and what we sold. It's like, it's like, how much are you doing? And it's like, okay, well, this year we're doing $4 million in sales. She's like, well, what's your, you know, what's your margin? What's your cost of goods? What's your uh, expense ratios? You know, and I was like, <laughs> what's that, <laughs> you know? And then he just literally got a pen, a white pen out and like slammed out on the whiteboard for a good two hours and yelled at me and told me I was an idiot, uh, like some New York guy. But it would really open my eyes. Like, these are the things that I don't know. And these are the things that could really help you measure your business. So from a screen, screen printer's perspective, I walk into many, many shops, probably a thousand shops to this point, And I would say the number one thing they always do measure is their revenue. Um, you know, they're like, oh, we're doing about 200,000 a year. I was just talking to one yesterday that was looking at a rock and he's currently doing DTG. And, and I asked him what, how many, how many, you know, his base numbers, he's like, yeah, about, we're going to about $250,000 this year. I was like, hey, that's good. That's a good start. But what makes up that and what does it cost you to do that is I think something that screen printers don't measure. So your throughput how many shirts you're doing, how many impressions you're doing, however you make that $250,000 is something that really is important to measure and then the cost of that to run your business. And so taking a P&L and even dividing it down to the per shirt, if you looked at each shirt as its own individual P&L statement, like what does it cost you to make that shirt? So in round terms, if you do 10,000 shirts a month and your overhead expense is $10,000, it costs you $1 to make each one of those shirts. And so a lot of people say, oh, the shirt cost me three bucks and I can sell it for four bucks and make a dollar. But if it costs you a dollar to do that in your expense structure, you actually don't make any money, you know? And so knowing your throughput, people don't measure how many shirts they're printing or how many impressions they're doing. Like big shops don't, those are numbers that not a lot of people can tell you. And I think that's the number one thing. It's like measuring your throughput and then keeping track of your, you know, expense structure to understand what, you know, and that really tells you two things. That tells you how efficient you're being. That, tell, that can tell you how much you're making before you make it. And that can also tell you how to price things. All right. Now, I know from my, like, I've consulted for about nine years. And um, every time I went in, you know, I always started from the financial, you know, place to kind of get an idea of how people's businesses were doing. And 
The number one question that I asked that most new shops didn't know, and I mean, it's a simple one. It was, what's your overhead? And it was interesting to go in and every time pull out a piece of paper and just start asking a million questions. Okay, what's your rent? What's your average electric bill? What's your, you know, and you start to add all that up. And then exactly like you say, if you understand how many shirts you're printing, you start to divide that out and really understand that cost. But you know, our listeners out there, if you don't know your overhead, I mean, definitely sit down and, and start to figure that out because that's kind of step one on on getting that number in your head so you understand what it's actually costing you to stay in business. And well, Don, I want... Ways, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to actually ask Don a question because there's two ways to look at that overhead and how I've always looked at it until we actually started working with Don um, is directly uh, just one label, just one expense. Like everything's an expense, you know? Um, and there's direct expenses and there's indirect expenses. Mm-hmm. So Don, can you talk about how to like, how, how you cost things now from a direct expenses versus indirect expense and how that will look like at in a screen printing shop where you have labor that's being printed and then you have office labor? Sure, so when, as a, as a screen printer, when we talk about revenue and Ryan said that he always knew what his revenue is. Your revenue is important, but it's also important to look at what type, what is your revenue? Is it good revenue? Is it revenue that can sustain your operating expenses? Is it revenue that will continue to invest working capital back into your business? Because it's one thing to be in business and another thing to sustain that business. And so when it comes to your expenses, what Ryan is talking about, you have fixed expenses and you have variable expenses. There are things that are out of your control. Rent is fixed, insurance is fixed. Those type of things are fixed where your variable are your operating supplies that you're buying. It's your labor and what you're spending on your labor. Um, we broke out our our revenue of direct revenue versus indirect revenue, which is also important in looking at your direct revenue is what's specific to your product. So that's your working capital. That's what you're spending your cash on for your inventory. And how is that coming back to you versus your indirect revenue, which is things is where you're you're having to hire somebody to do some contract work for you that you're billing out to a customer. It's your freight that you're shipping out. It's it's little things that you're doing that that is associated with your revenue, but it's not direct into selling that product to your end customer and looking at those. So when when I came on board to the company, I ended up, I come from a manufacturing and distribution background and was looking at how, because we have a lot of manufacturing distribution within the organization, how do we break that out and how do we look at it? Because like Ryan said, he always knew his revenue, but how well is that revenue working for you? And so we started breaking out our margins and looking at our margins in our different lines of businesses and how that is directly related to the inventory that you're purchasing. And then looking at our operating expenses and do we have enough margin to cover your operating expenses that you're running on all those type of things. And, and so that includes... Um, you know, benefits that you're paying for team members, like their their insurance, uh, their 401k plan, uh, what you're looking at for your marketing expenses, how much you're spending in trying to sell those products and, and what you're looking at there. And you're looking at each individual of those categories and saying, how how is that as a percentage of your revenue that you know you have a, a minimum nugget that you need to hit? And so it also helps you when you go to price your jobs and you're getting into a competitive business with other members out there in the market of whether or not you want to accept that because you know that your minimum, as an example, if you say your minimum operating expense is 27% 
of your revenue so that you know that you know we can get down to your minimum pricing when you're going head to head with another person out there that wants to take that business away from you. And if you're not covering at least that minimum plus profit because you want to put money back into your business, it's something that you need to take a look at as an owner or a sales manager or a general manager. Is this something that I want to continue to do? Is this something that okay, it's the first win to get in here, but I'm going to gain efficiencies as I move on because normally when you start up with a brand new customer, you're having a learning curve that you have to get through. And it's usually more expensive the first few times that you run with a new customer than as you get going and you get the flow in because you gain efficiencies with that. And so you have to play all of those into the picture to figure out what you're going to be doing to make your business successful because you want your customers successful, but you as a business owner need to be successful so you can keep your business going. It's awesome. And I mean, for a lot of people out there that, that don't know how to do that, I know, Don, you worked, um, you know, as a CFO consultant for years. So there's actually a lot of you know, ways to bring in an expert like yourself, even if you're looking, you know, for some, some initial answers where you bring someone in, they, they can sit down, look over your financials and then start to give you some of these recommendations and break down that math. I mean, would you say that that's a smart thing for some of these smaller to mid-sized businesses that don't calculate stuff this way to, to look at, at integrating and bringing into their business? Absolutely. You should have somebody there that can help guide you and that somebody can, be there for you to ask questions and be able to bounce those questions off to say, am I going in the direction? Because you only know what you know at the end of the day. And until you get into that position and you start working through it, you're going to learn. But at the end of the day too, Ross, is that you need to be able to be okay with, there's going to be hiccups along the way, especially when you're starting off. Accept those hiccups, learn from those, and then adjust and move forward for them so you don't repeat them. Absolutely. Great advice. Um, I want to go back to Ryan. What are some of the market trends that you've seen lately compared to 10 years ago? I mean, just in the world that we're living in. Well, if you look back at the market before we actually even got into it, before you got into it, Ross, there's been several different market disruptions as well as financial and econ economic impacts that have happened. So if you look at back in the 90s where there was huge screen printing shops and they all got outsourced over to, you know, uh, Asia or you know, central, and, and then you look at Central America. So you have very little work actually now being done in the US. A lot of big shops go away. Then you look at the resurgence of that after the, the recession in 2001, after 9-11, uh, where you have a lot of businesses restarting up. This is the time frame that you started your business. Um, this is the time frame that I started my business. Uh, this is the time frame we started literally hundreds of thousands of screen printing businesses. And then you look at the 2008 recession where a lot of the, the big businesses that started and, and survived that first, you know, outsourcing wave and the first recession now are struggling because like 70% of the revenue went down. If you look at trends that happened during that 2008 recession, you know, the industry went like that, you know, and then it was whenever something goes like that, there's typically an upside on the other side. What happened is they projected it to go straight and then go flat again. But what happened is actually the market got stronger after the 2008 recession due to what I think is like people can't, they don't have the, the financial budgets to wait or invest in large inventory lots. So whereas a supplier might have gone overseas and ordered something, 
Uh, they don't want to pay up front for it and or pay a big bulk lump sum. They'd rather get a shorter amount faster and pay a little bit more. So you had a lot of insourcing. And so you saw a lot of those businesses that started throughout that first decade go to the next level, add their first automatic, add their second automatic, add their third automatic, you know, add, you know, more automation in order to fulfill that, you know, market need of getting more work faster done domestically. And it's been amazing to see how many shirts have gotten back to being printed domestically versus overseas um, from 2001 over to 2020. Um, but now what we're facing in, in COVID and coming up to this is the market is flooded with a lot of businesses and the labor is getting a lot more expensive. I mean, how much were you paying people an hour when you started your business uh, in California? When I started, probably somewhere around 15. Uh, when I got out three years ago, most of those folks were in the mid twenties at, at minimum. Yeah. Now what minimum wage is $15 to, I mean, yeah. And so you're paying good printers, like way more than that. So your costs are going way up and it's harder to get, especially with unemployment, you know, checks and stuff like that. Now harder to get actually people to show up to work, you know? So labor is a huge cost center. If you look at the PL perspective of the average screen printing business is typically your second largest cost center besides uh -huh. your cost of goods sold. So it's more expensive than shipping, more expensive than your equipment, way more expensive than supplies. You know, so labor as labor savings and efficiency, uh, which bodes well for the rock business because, you know, the equipment's so dang efficient and the solutions are so effective that they really save on labor. Uh, and customers that are investing in that are typically saving money and continuing to grow their business um, because they're able to compete better and they're able to be more profitable doing it. And you're seeing a lot of labor shrink in shops right now and a lot more automation being added. I mean, from post-press, pre-press, you know, even to on-press where you can, you know, run multiple jobs on one large unit with just two people, you know, loading and unloading at the same time. So it's a really good point. We've seen a lot of that happen, you know, from a trend perspective with Rock specifically as people really, you know, taking their their shops to the next level in terms of automation to save on that labor cost. Because you're right, I mean, the piece of equipment, once you get it, yeah, it's a payment, but you only have that payment for so long and it goes away. Um, you know, labor lasts forever. So that's that's a really good point. Yeah, um, it's typically less than your labor costs. Oh yeah, now. And it's definitely. more productive. Absolutely. Um, how's How do you feel that COVID-19's impacted our industry and what can the data tell us about reasonable projections for the rest of 2020 looking into to 2021, which is, I know where a lot of our heads are, are already going to right now. I think what, what has happened is like the, it's so different because there's different market segments and there's the there's the entry level market segment there's the the retail market segment there's the big big producer houses there's music you know uh and the fact that like bands aren't touring until like mid 21 22 hey sublime yeah. just did a uh, drive up concert in california just like a drive-in movie <laughs> um it was actually pretty cool yeah you just drove up and all the cars were parked six feet away you roll your windows down and and enjoy wow. the show. So we're seeing a little bit of resurgence. It's just in a much more creative COVID kind of way. Did, did they sell t-shirts? I'm sure they did. Yeah. I don't know. I saw TED Talk was looking to do uh, do the TED Talks in Portland again, but at this huge like golf course where like people would just literally go out and 
they do the stage and people would just sit on a golf green, you know, wow. a golf um, fairway and listen to this talk outside. <laughs> Interesting. But I think for the most part, we saw the industry dip off, like fall off a cliff, same with our economy. And, and for what we've seen in data coming out of Ryanet sales, Brentabo sales, our, some of our other vendors, um, is that it's gone back up again, very similar to the economy where it's actually at some points even higher than, than the, you know, the, uh, the actual pre-COVID revenues. But in other points that in other segments, schools, the tours, things of that nature, it hasn't, you know. So whether that will maintain or continue, you know, typically there could be another little dip afterwards and then a little bit of, of an upturn. But through that, definitely seen a shift in the channels that t-shirts have sold through. You know, traditional retail channels and or distribution channels don't exist. You know, like, right. think about it. Like you're a business and you're ordering shirts. You still need the shirts. Your people still wear t-shirts, but they don't come to the office every day to pick up the shirts, you know? So shops that are investing in fulfillment solutions and owning that distribution channel piece for as a solution, I think are doing very, very well. And more and more shirts will go to directly the end user versus going to that centralized distribution hub and then to a retail store or that centralized school or that centralized business to be then distributed out. Right. Yeah, we've seen a, a big pickup in the web to print. I mean, kind of funny coming from a, a screen printer that, you know, of 12 years and, and now here at Rock, I, for the first time, bought two t-shirts online, just scrolling through Facebook because I have this need to shop and have some, I'm actually wearing one right now from, uh, a lot of you can't see this if you're listening to podcasts, but it's from Mimi's Fresh Teas uh, in Portland, um, supporting the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, revolution. And it was just cool. I mean, this came up in my feed and I'm like, that's awesome. I want to be a part of this, but yeah, I'm not going to a store to buy it. Right. And that's how people have started shopping. I used Amazon for the first time when COVID happened. I mean, that, I'm kind of an old soul, I guess, in that way, but uh, it was kind of entertaining. Welcome but to, uh, it's definitely shifted. I mean, if you can get screen printers to buy printed t-shirts online, I mean, that's, that says something, right? <laughs> for sure. Cool. Before we go to the break real yeah. quick, uh, since we're wrapping it up on COVID, I would love for you to share that awesome mask you got there oh. with our friends online. Got some nice new rock swag. Got our all mask here with a nice little uh, rock logo on the side. From yeah. Super color, right? Super color. Absolutely. Yeah. Crazy job. They do impressive transfers. I mean, the level of detail on this thing is awesome. It's really nice. And so uh, we'll have some swag kits going out to people. We've got some cool posters. We've got our our COVID rock masks. We've got uh, some other goodies as well. So uh, you might be a lucky person that, that gets a nice little uh, thing of swag if you're here listening. So cool. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we will dive back into uh, the screen printing industry, current data uh, with Ryan Moore at Ryanet, and we will see you in a minute. Ease yourself into automation with the Rock US folding, packaging, and labeling modular system. All of our pre-shipment systems may be purchased together or individually. The versatility of the modular system empowers you to build your premier packaging, folding, and labeling solution one step at a time. For these and other expert solutions, please visit Rock US or call 187-ROCKET-NOW. That's 877-674-8669. And, and we're back. We're back. 
Hey, Ryan, I got a question for you. Uh, what do you believe are the most critical metrics to measure and to optimize your printing operations? So number one is track your throughput. Number two is track your direct labor. So all the labor, like you were talking about, Don, that goes directly into making the shirt. And if you have different revenue uh, segments or different revenue, what do you call them, Don? Uh, segment lines of business. Lines of business or segments. Um, you should track it for each one. And I remember sitting down with Dallas from Opaque. We were talking about him earlier. He's wrapping the bus. And before he got his rock, sitting him down, like he's like, because he thought about getting a rock. I mean, this kid came to a Rhino class when he was like wearing a beanie and 14 years old. I think <laughs> his mom like faked him, faked his ID to get him into this class. And I, so and then he started on a little manual press and got a bigger press and went to his garage and got a spot. He's like, man, I can't afford an automatic press. We sat down there and looked at his revenue and he couldn't tell me how many shirts he was printing. He couldn't tell me how what his expense structure was. And he couldn't tell me where his revenue came from. He could tell me his revenue number. So we split his revenue out from his screen printing revenue and his sign and vinyl graphic revenue and his embroidery outsource revenue. And then we split the cost center up to doing those two revenue pieces. And it showed that like, A, not only could he afford a rock, but if he didn't get a rock, he would actually start losing money as he continued to grow his business because he was paying way too much for labor and or having to sit behind the press, you know, till 12 o'clock at night and screen print shirts. So it was opportunity costs. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's literally stuck and he had the opportunity to grow his business. So, you know, what he was able to do to get the rock and hire a team that could run it. Now he's, you know, doing both and he's cool because he's got two different buildings. And so it's a lot easier for him to track his cost centers and his revenue centers now since he has one building that essentially does signing vinyl graphics and then another building that essentially does screen printing. So I think those are the things to do. And then you can start to divide that throughput by that cost center and really understand what it's costing you per shirt. And the most effective shops that we see, I mean, these are the shops that, you know, you see on Instagram and they're the ones that look the best, you know, um, because typically they're, they can afford to look the best. Um, they're like down in the low, even the high single digit cents per shirt or the low teens per shirt. So 12 cents, 13 cents a shirt cost. I would say the average cost automated uh, shop would be somewhere between 25 and 35 cents uh, a shirt. A very inefficient shop would be in the 50 cent range on automated press. On a manual press, you're sitting at 80 to $1.20 a shirt, you know, because it's just so much slower to set that job up. And so once you know that, now you can price it. But then also you can see, oh, where should I invest my next equipment at? Am mm -hmm. I, is, my pre, is my cost center around my press the most expensive or is it in the dark room? You know, is setups taking me longer? Should I get a, a registration system or a CTS machine or is it screen reclaim? You know, and then go into actually your run size and then you can start looking to see, okay, your color count, how many screens. The more you measure, the more you can manage out of that measurement and the more, I mean, the better decisions you can make. And so knowing, start with those top level numbers, number of impressions, cost to do those impressions, and then start to dive into the detail of screen count, color count, you know, indirect costs or direct costs associated with the different parts of a screen printing operation. And then as you do that, making those wise financial decisions, typically ROI relatively quickly and it's really nice to know that making that decision will actually save you money and make you more money than just being another bill. 
Absolutely. I know one of the questions a lot of our, our new businesses have, and it's kind of a hard one to answer. I, I kind of figured this out a little bit when I was, when I was, you know, going into people's shops and trying to help them with their businesses, but you would be much better equipped to answer this is it's around consumables. So, you know, Ryan at big consumable seller, I mean, that's, you, you built a business basically on presses, you know, manual and, and consumables. What's the average cost of consumables per print? Cause I know we're talking about costing this out and that was always a big question I had, you know, am I spending, you know, 25 cents a shirt on ink and glue and emulsion and, and film. So do you have an idea of what that number is uh, to give our viewers? Yeah, so part of it, it's nothing, first of all, uh, <laughs> comparatively to the shirt costs and your labor costs. It's always way less than that. And so it's definitely not the first area that I, it drives me insane when you go into a shop and they're running a beat ass old gauntlet, you know, blue press from ni the 90s and they're haggling over $5 a pail of ink, you know, mm -hmm. like you're an idiot, like you're an idiot. Sorry, but. <laughs> you're spending you're spending hundreds of dollars an hour to run this whole piece of crap press and you think you're going to save five dollars every five thousand shirts you print oh congratulations you know you're the best business owner ever uh but no it's it's nothing so it's not the first thing you should think about but it is a number and so i would say that if you're buying things in quartz uh, you're probably going to be in the 20 cents a shirt range. If you're buying things in gallons, you're going to be 12 to 15 cents a shirt. If you're buying things in five fives, you're going to be in the eight to 10 cents a shirt range. If you're buying things in drums, you're going to be in the six, seven, eight percent cents per shirt range, you know? And so again, it, it does add up. And when you're gilded, you know, uh, Michelle Moxley has done some really cool presentations on Moneyball screen printing. And when they were, when she was working with John Weiss, and they're running New Buffalo and they had 28 presses, that consumable number is a big number, you know? Right. And so shaving two pennies off per shirt is a big number at the end of the year. But when you're running a lot lower, one press, two presses, it's a lot smaller number and you should be focusing on your labor first. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, a good point. It just is a question that always comes up. So I think it's, you kind of set that priority in the right place, right? Stop worrying about this think about your labor first and find that pain point, whether it's your press or your dark room or, or whatever, you know, the case may be. That's good advice. And, and the best thing that you can do with consumables is Kanban them because they don't go bad, you know? So you have what printed threads does is they have, and they buy things in gallons and fives uh, and they have, depending on usage, and they essentially have two months of stock in on hand. So if it's a gallon of white ink, well, they, you know, it's probably going to be five gallons of white ink. Um, they're going to have one five gallon that's open. They're going to have a one five gallon that's back on the shelf. So when the guy, you know, finishes the one five gallon, he opens the next one. And then that goes on the order list for the week. And they order just every week, you know, so a shop can do that on a monthly basis. You can buy things in greater volumes. You can save money because uh, you do save a considerable amount of money when you go down, you know, when you're buying things in fives instead of gallons. And then you also don't run out of stuff. So, and, and then, the shop that has no ink is the shop that has the highest consumable cost per print because they can't print. <laughs> right. I've been in those situations before driving around town, trying to find another screen printer who didn't want to price gouge me on a gallon of white ink because I ran out. So you talked, I mean, Kanban, 
Um, I remember doing a really botched tre- uh, presentation on Kanban at TEDx one year. <laughs> but uh, can you explain to our viewers where does that system come from? And I mean, I think we kind of understand the logic behind it, right? You want at least two of everything. You're backfilling. So once one is gone, the other one, you know, goes to the front. And you go ahead and place an order. Um, but where does that come from and, and where can people go to, I mean, obviously Google would be the best place to research it, but can you kind of just explain where that, where that came from? Yes. So first of all, spell it right. Um, it's K A N B A N. I always spell it like K O N. Uh, so Kanban it's, it's also, it's a lean manufacturing principle. Um, it's also known as a Kanban board, which is not the inventory system. Um, but you're basically, you're backfilling your inventory. And so you always have one extra of something. And so you never run out of something in it. And it's a visual inventory management system that you can easily go through your shop and you see what you're out of because it's, everything has a place. And once everything has a place, it can be again, managed. So I think that's a, it's a very good principle. There's so much opportunities for screen printing shops to become lean and more efficient through lean principles. Uh, but Kaizen's, uh, lean manufacturing, the book two second lean is a great just ideas to get on how to optimize your business. Again, uh, on that, how much does a shirt cost you in consumables? It's people don't build build of materials typically, meaning like measuring the exact amount of shirts, you know, ink for a job per the job and then costing that. What you do is you typically take your consumable spend on an annual basis or a, a quarterly basis because it's kind of hard to do it on a monthly basis because you're typically buying consumables before you print it and then divide it by how many shirts or impressions that you're doing again. Then then you can get your exact consumable costs. Awesome. Very good point. Um, so kind of shifting back to the digital conversation, what right now is is the data pointing to in terms of like a digital shift? I mean, we kind of like broached the topic that, you know, web to print and, and direct to consumer is, is picking up. We've definitely seen that shift here at Rock, but I, I think you've ran some actual reporting and looked at some, some data. Um, what kind of supports, uh, you know, that concept. I don't think there's a lot of data that I know of that traditionally says, so I think there's speculation as to what percentage of the market is converging to more on-demand printing and not necessarily digital, but on-demand printing and fulfillment. So it could be a screen printer storing some printed shirts and or saving screens and doing more of an on-demand style of delivery versus on-demand printing. So it's a hybrid between those two things. But if you just look at the vast number of shirts that are printed in somewhere between 1.5 and 2 billion shirts printed and sold in North America, and you look at if 5% of that market shifted to digital. Now, if you look at what's happening with e-commerce, it's way more than that. You know, the e-commerce trends come out, I believe either today or tomorrow of percentages of how much e-commerce has grown through COVID. So sure. that's a number that I'm going to definitely be looking at. And because that'll tell you a little bit more, probably what the on-demand market is doing. And so if 5% of the market shifted or 10% of the market shifted, think about 10% of the market shifting, 2 billion shirts, 10% that's 200 million shirts. It's a lot of t-shirts. And the awesome thing for screen printers and press operators, digital press operators and screen printers is there's a huge opportunity to make more money per shirt because you're taking out those traditional channels. You're now 
taking out the, the company that has to order the shirt and spend their money up front and then store it and then inventory it and then make sure everyone got the right size and everyone's happy and you're putting it in the hands of their employee and letting them order from your store, you know? And right. there's more money in it for you because you're offering that value added service. So there's three, th- in, in the traditional space right now, there's like, you have the print shop, you have a distributor or a promo guy or broker, you have the distribution point. Sometimes you have multiple distribution points for, so like brands, they'll come into the distribution warehouse and then they'll go to a sub retail store. Um, for colleges, a lot of them are done the same way, you know, or for big schools. Um, so one to two distribution points and then you have the consumer. Um, now you have the print shop, you have some type of medium channel, could be an online channel, uh, most likely an online channel. And then that typically goes directly to the consumer. So you go from four to five channels down to three channels. And the awesome thing is the print shops that are absolutely killing it are doing the fulfillment and the ownership of that channel. So they're building a store and they're fulfilling for that store um, for their customer base. And so if you can own the print shop and the channel and you can ship directly to the consumer, that's a, that's where the bulk of the money is in the space. And now you go from making on a tr- contract basis, 50 cents a shirt, a dollar a shirt to making five, $10 a shirt, you know? And if you look at 200 million shirts where you were getting a dollar a shirt for those 200 million shirts, now you're getting $5 a shirt. It's a billion dollar market opportunity, you know, or multi-billion dollar market opportunity. I think it's like a gold rush that could be happening now in the industry as that market converges. And it just depends on who grabs that market shift first. Cause the, I think the same amount of shirts are going to be printed if not more, but the way they're printed and then fulfilled is going to be different. That's crazy. What are some of the key metrics that are particularly important to digital printing? Because we talk like screen printing. So, I mean, you have the garment, you've got, you know, what we've said is a negligible consumable cost. You've got your overhead, which, you know, I guess probably would change maybe from a labor perspective, but not necessarily for your building and, and some of just the general things. So, what are, what are key metrics that we're looking for, particularly with digital printing and what changes from screen printing? Well, that's a great question. And there is a huge change and that's ink cost. And so your consumable cost with digital is more expensive than your labor. And that's different as we spoke about with the screen printing side, which is not that important, but with, with digital printing, it's a lot more important. Uh, labor is also ex- higher per shirt because you're printing less shirts and there's more steps to do it. So you know, whereas, yeah, if you're printing 12 shirts on a screen printing press, your labor is going to be very expensive. But if you're printing a thousand shirts on a screen printing press, relatively it doesn't take you that long to make the screen and set the press up compared to the thousand shirts that you're printing. But if you have to pre-treat, press, set up, heat stamp, you know, and package a shirt with a digital operation, that's like five or six steps versus like a rock now system where you have two steps, you take the shirt on, you put it off and you put it on the packing machine, you know, just those- so everyone knows rock now is rocks. Awesome. Digital solution that, that Ryan just pointed out is only a couple steps. So you, you do have a labor labor savings depending on how you are choosing to do digital, i.e. what equipment are you purchasing and what does that process looks like? Correct. Big labor savings and consumable savings because now you're automating your pre-treatment system that can only spray stuff where you're printing and you're automating, you're buying ink in bulk. So, right. And so if you can do that and you can do it well, 
your your printer will use less ink. I'm a huge fan of heat pressing a shirt prior to digitally printing it. Um, there are there are machines out there that don't need that, but if you think about the printing surface, you use less ink, your ink feels better, and it looks sharper if you pre-treat it first, you know, and you heat press it first. First is going on a rough shirt with very thin ink. So right. the machines that do that use less ink, and that's a big savings per shirt. Um, and so as you think about digital expansion, think about those things and look at technologies, whether now and the future, to enable those things. And packaging Absolutely. is a huge thing too. You know, pack, the, what, what Rock does with the packaging systems is so impressive because when I first looked at that machine, like back in 2015, it's like, oh, who's going to buy a $100,000 plus packaging machine? But when you look at the cost of five people to do that, that's really costing a shop $150,000 a year versus again, an equipment payment that's way less than that because you're amortizing it over five, five years, paying for it over five years. And now you're having one person do that same operation. Absolutely. So, and, and just for our listeners, you know, we've added some new technology to um, our folding packing lines and you're actually able now to fold, pack and print a shipping label applied to that package straight off of the machine. So literally you can go from, I mean, in this case, we're talking about digital, you could go straight from a digital machine, person offloads a shirt, turns around, literally puts it on a, a folding line, presses a button, and it's packaged being ready for, for FedEx, UPS, DHL, you know, whatever the case may be. So um, we've got a lot of info on our website right now um, for those listeners, uh, rock.us. Um, right at the top of the homepage, if you click the button that says, what does it say on it? Uh, save me, save me time and money. Yeah, take back your time. Yeah, take back your time. Click on that button, and we actually show the the full multi step process of our module machine and what all it can do for you. And there's some good videos there as well. Um, I want to go over to Don. You know, as we're talking about companies kind of pivoting, um, say traditional screen printer. You know, looking at adding you know, digital to their, to their business, looking at getting into web per print or, you know, web to print and going back to fulfillment, you know, your costs are changing like we talked about just now. So from a financial perspective, and we're talking about getting that data together to really understand how would you break that out as a business owner, you know, to really look at it when you're adding it to your business and, and assessing, you know, new costs of equipment and then the kind of a whole new business model. So you're going to want to break that into a couple of different areas because there are unique items to doing a shift in how you bring equipment on or how you change. Like what we were talking about earlier in how you ship to customers, whether you go a B2B or B2C. And so when you're when you're looking at these different areas, you want to say, what, what are the driving costs? And so when you're looking at going to a more e-commerce business and you're shipping directly to customers you need to look at, okay, well, if I was doing B2B for, which is business to business, and you were looking at how you were doing more bulk shipping versus doing e-commerce where you're doing one-off shipments to customers, you need to look at what is that going to do with, how's that going to impact my pricing? You know, because when you get onto an e-commerce, a lot of times what you see today, and especially with big people like Amazon out there, they offer the free shipping. And so how do you compete with that? And it's being able to say, 
what do I do with my pricing to be able to compete in that market? And you have to look at, well, where am I shipping to? Where's my market? Where am I located? Where are my places at that I'm going to? Because are you going to decide then, am I only going to ship on the West Coast or the entire United States? Or if you're in the East Coast business, am I just going to be shipping up along and down the, the East Coast line? What am I going to be doing? Because how do I still stay competitive in this e-commerce line than what I was doing in a retail or in a business to business. And so those are things where it takes more time in that you need to bring folks in where you can actually go start digging in. It, it brings up more of a, of a line of, as an accountant is job costing. And you really start taking at your revenue and breaking down all the different expenses. And, and it's everything. It's not just your hard costs. It's not just your direct costs, but it's also your variable costs that are in there. And so you want to get as, as painful as it can be and as, as not everybody loves numbers and wants to sit down and deal with numbers, you've got to go in as a business owner and say, what is everything that attributes to this that's going to cost me, especially as you see things shift. And then when you're, and, and so that's for that piece. So when you're bringing in, equipment, you need to, you need to come up with an ROI, a return on investment model. It's just one of those things where, and you can find them online. You know, you don't have to go to a CPA firm or go to a high expensive accounting firm. You can go online and find some models out there and then just tweak those on what you're knowing to say, to put your assumptions in there that if I spend X amount of dollars and I know that by doing this, I'm going to be able to shave off this on my on my expenses if i know that by bringing in this piece of equipment i was having a team staff of five and now i can go down to four and it's not just looking at labor but it's also looking at all your other costs associated with that which is your benefits your payroll taxes things along those lines of having that person in there and having that model built to say if i spend xyz but i'm able to save abc then how long does it take for me to recoup that investment? And that number is the number you want. You want to say, what is that reasonable? You know, you obviously you want that number as low as it can be. You don't want to spend a hundred thousand US dollars and it takes you 10 years to recoup that. You know, you want something that says, I spend this amount and I can recoup it in six months. I can recoup it in 12 months. I can recoup it in 24 months. That then says, all right, that's worth the investment to bring it into here. But you're going to, you have to break down those costs as painful as it can be into the categories. And that's where the ROI models can help you do that. And then that's also where even if you are a, a business that you use a bank to help you with your working capital, if you have a line of credit with the bank, your banker can help you with that too. That's so those, those are those are places that you can go to reach out for advice that will be there because- those folks have an investment in you and they want to see you succeed. Absolutely. And this is another place too, um, where I'm just assuming based on our history as a business that you would definitely want to break this out into a separate line of business. So you would continue to look at your screen printing operation that maybe is doing bulk shipments, et cetera, here. And then you bring on the digital and you want to start to account for that kind of as its own entity yes. more or less to make sure that you're using the right freight services, that your your costs are in line with, with your revenue and et cetera. For sure, because 
as, as, a, as a human, we all have assumptions and we know assumptions can do, right? Assumptions, <laughs> right? Use the word assume, right? We know what that's all about. You're trying to say they make an ass out of you and me, <laughs> right? Okay, just you. So, <laughs> <laughs> just me. <laughs> and so everybody has assumptions that if I do this, then this. There was a lot of assumptions when I came on board into the company and I broke a lot of those assumptions down and we were able to really be able to come in and say, no, at the end of the day, this is really what it is. Once you start breaking that out and then as a business, you can decide, do I still want to invest my time and my money into here or would I rather invest it over onto this line of business? And it helps you. It isn't that. So line of business A can be fun and sexy, but you don't very make very much money. And you have line of business B that is practical. It is really good money and brings the bottom line to you. So then you can decide, well, I do want to have part of this really fun and sexy, but I only want to be maybe 10, 15% of my business where line B needs to be 80, 90% of it because I still enjoy this fun piece, but it's this that's going to keep my business alive and keep me running and keep people employed. It's a great Great point, because I know all us entrepreneur people out there. You want um, the sexy. Oh, of course. Who wouldn't? <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's fun. You always you got to keep fun in life in your business. And that's how people grow. Right. If you're not taking those risks and trying something new and and getting out there, but having the data to support it. And I mean, that's something I've, you know, had to learn through through years. And it's it, it's not who I am. I'm I want to think and create and innovate and come up with crazy um, but it's people like you who thankfully bring me back down to earth and say, hey, this is all really cool, but let's break it down. Let's actually understand it. So we make smart decisions and not just, you know, off the cuff, like, hey, let's go do this. So that's a really, really good advice for our listeners out there. H have a Dawn. It's <laughs> Dawn is, is amazing and, and, and it keeps everything in check. And it's definitely stuff I didn't think about when I first started in business. It was just like, go do, go do, go do. And I had eight different things happening at once. And, you know, I was maybe making money off of one of them, but didn't really understand it. So that's awesome. Um, well, we're going to jump into another commercial break. And when we get back, we will dive into a few more questions. We'll be right back. Complete your automated folding and packaging suite with a rock barcode label printer to work with your web-to-print system or create customizable shipping labels with machine-readable instructions to ship your finished products out the door to your eager customers with dependable accuracy in every fulfilled order. For these items and other expert supplies to help you press onward, please visit Rock US or call 187-ROCKET-NOW. That's 877-674-8669. I want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing and today digital for that matter. Uh, today's episode features data-driven printing and a digital dive. We are joined by our special guest, Mr. Ryan Moore of Ryanet and our very own CFO, Don Hatton of Rock US. And of course, as always, our creative director, Mr. Merrill Caps. Thank you all. So when I dive back in, uh, I'm going to give the floor over to Don here. Yes, thank you, Ross. Ryan, can I ask you a few more questions if you don't mind? When it comes to the digital screen printing business, when you as an owner and an operator, do you listen to the data? And then when do you listen to your, your instinct? That's a good question. And I uh, even back to playing music, I would always listen to my gut for a long time. Um, 
It's like, I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> and I think uh, many times I went with the flow too aggressively and literally like I would be like doing spins and kicks. And I think one time I kicked Brandon in the face and then the other time I spun my guitar and like smack, like almost broke his nose because uh, my guitar head hit his nose. It's like, you got to get out of the flow. Just play the music. <laughs> so the data is like the chords, you know, and uh, the gut is the rhythm, right? The, the beat. And I think you have to have a, a balance of kind of both because like you were saying earlier is you were, it's the fun. It's the fact that, you know, you don't want to just be up there boring and just like looking the notes and not having any enthusiastic and fun doing business. Um, so you got to feel the rhythm and you got to feel the beat um, pounding too. But I think you should look at data and you got to be careful with data because if you have somebody like myself or Ross manipulate the data, our, um, <laughs> our tendency is literally going to be to look only at the data that you want to see, you know, and it's very easy to manipulate the data and sell that data uh, be based around what you see. And if you don't see the entire picture with somebody that's truly analyzing data the way it should be analyzed and looking at the entire picture and asking all the questions to get the entire picture, then you're not seeing the entire picture and you're really using data as a gut feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think seeing the entire picture when you're making investments, it's important to see what you're doing uh, when you are uh, making people decisions. Um, and if you can look at things from a, a rational perspective, I was, I was reading this new book on habits. And one of the things like it was saying is like, how do you form good habits? Well, you know, analyzing and tracking data is a habit. It's a business system. It's, it's essentially a habit. So how to do that is like you always, you know, before you make a big decision, you know, how do you go back and look at what that decision would do and try to project that out forward? I think a lot of times if we would have done that from a more analytical perspective versus a gut perspective, even though we were looking at data, we would have made better decisions and, and you will continue to make better decisions moving forward at that perspective. On the flip side, you can't look at it too much and not make a decision because, you know, if you look at it too much and never decide, then nothing's, it's not going to do you any good either way. Just get paralyzed. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always more data on data, mm -hmm. on data, on data um, that, that can be looked at. I mean, it's kind of funny you just said that our, ne our next question was going to be pitfalls to be aware of when it comes to data. Like when should you be skeptical? Um about what you're saying. I mean, I guess that that is kind of a new question. So when are you skeptical about I'm never skeptical hard numbers. about it. <laughs> so it's law. No, no, it's just like always like, oh, it's that's the problem is that I think if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Maybe, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, like sure. if it looks too good to be true on paper, it, it, it might be and you wanna, you wanna buffer that a little bit. So if you buffer, you buffer it and then you do a couple of different scenarios in specific projections then that's the real that's really what you get and that's that's more about like making forward-looking decisions versus measuring what you're currently doing right now because measuring right. what you're currently doing right now as long as you're accurately doing it it's going to give you an accurate picture um you know it's the difference between you know you know playing in a sports game and betting on a sports game you bet on the sports game before you know you play on the sports game in it you know and the scoreboard's the result uh, and so versus you're, you're essentially, when you bet on a sports game, you're, you're projecting the, what that scoreboard is going to say. And you don't know exactly what that scoreboard is going to say until the game's played. 
Yeah. And I mean, that analogy actually brings up a point. I mean, uh, Don and I met yesterday for quite some time, you know, just kind of like a mid-year, you know, let's look at the next six months. Obviously, we're experiencing COVID just as all of our listeners out there are. And, you know, it's a complicated time because we do have data. And there's a lot of different data points that we looked at just in terms of revenue and gross profit and, you know, where have we been trending and what do things look like? And the data is real. And so I can't be skeptical over what's put in front of me. I think the biggest question is, you know, when we talk about sports gambling, um, you know, what do we do from here? And so it's now you've got to extrapolate that and take out, you know, this piece of data, this piece of data, and this piece of data and say, okay, you know, here's our trend. Here's the data that we're looking at. You know, now what's the decision? And, you know, what do we want that outcome to be? How are we going to measure it? I mean, to your point on the scoreboard and, you know, it's hard right now. And I think a lot of people are struggling with this with COVID because there isn't a lot of state guidance. There's not a lot of full understanding of, you know, is there going to be a vaccine? Is this going to happen? When's the economy going to pick up? When are sports teams fans going to be able to go back into stands? You know, we saw with baseball, for example, you know, they, they took the bet, you know, they went back in season and they ended up having to, to stop because they had teams of people getting sick. And so if we're looking at this from a financial perspective, you do have to kind of, you know, evaluate that data and then try to come up with some kind of plan that you think is going to work, um, which is interesting and hard to do. So you can put what's called KPIs, which are key performance indicators into place to help you with that. So when you make a decision, because one of the pitfalls you can have is have too many people involved. And when you have too many people involved, you have too many opinions. And you can have the pitfall of not having enough people involved is finding out what that right balance is and having your KPIs to be able to quickly measure your decision. Because it's you should never be afraid to make that decision, but it's how quickly can you pivot from that decision if you see that decision isn't going down the direction that it should be going. And that's through your KPIs that you put in place. Absolutely. And that's, that's a, a great measurement tool. Um, so what other, uh, back to Ryan, what other niches do you see opening up and blossoming in the coming five years? So we've kind of talked about digital. We know that, you know, that's been something we've been talking about. I mean, in this industry for quite some time, I think it, it's had to take a big leap during COVID, um, you know, just given, you know, consumer buying habits and what's happening with online shopping. But what, what are some other things that you see kind of growing, you know, within the next five years? I think it's that, that ability to take good art and make somebody's concept like come, come to life out of it. So those who can control that, that process and have really good art and can either present that to a customer already done or come up with concepts. So I think that whole, almost even an ad agency is a, is a good play and, and, well, really help people dif- differentiate. One of the reports I recently just got this month, um, which w- showed data from into 2020, not necessarily COVID, was the online custom design market. So this is the custom make market. People going on and designing a shirt, picking out clip art on a shirt, and then and then um, ordering that shirt. And that market, even though it grew really really well in the early 2000s and it grew last decade, is slightly declining. And I think it's because not everyone's a designer. And the fact that now you see a lot of really cool shirts already 
available, like you're to your point in your feed, you know, uh, and you're going to order that shirt versus trying to freaking figure out how to design your own, you know? Right. So if you can solve that problem and then we already spoke about that channel management own that channel, that's a big thing. You know, if all you're doing is printing shirts, whether it's on a digital press or whether it's on a screen printing press, a lot of people can print shirts and a lot of people don't care about the quality of the shirt, you know? So the question is, is how can you print shirts? How can you deliver shirts? And how can you sell shirts, you know, whether it's for your own, you know, market or for your customers. And if you do those three things and you can do it faster than anyone else, that's probably where you're going to win. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that, that I see blossoming a lot right now too is um, more from, from an IT standpoint. I mean, you talked, you mentioned uh, Bruce from Printavo earlier, <laughs> And I see a lot of progression in the development of operational software, you know, shops abilities to actually capture data, which really didn't exist. I mean, you know, you go into some of the bigger um, screen printing shops today and, you know, you're still seeing stuff written on paper. I mean, they've got data, but then they don't put it anywhere. It, it mm -hmm. kind of like, it's almost a pointless task. It's like, you know, someone wrote all this stuff down and it goes into a big file folder somewhere. And I guess if they ever need to dig it out one day, they can. But I've seen a really big progression in, in technology and what's coming out for people to actually be able to get this data into their business, understand it. Um, and, and we're seeing that even, you know, Rock's working on, you know, developing ways to do that where you can connect to your press, you can pull impression counts out, you can actually take that data and then do something with it. Um, do, do you see a lot of that as well? Yeah, if you can automate that KPI measurement, which is not like to your point, <clears throat> something that Rock should be working on or Printavo or something. We are. Quickly. <laughs> then that's going to be awesome because now you don't have to measure it. But Back to the point, if, if you just like, I remember the story from like Charles Schwab, like buying this uh, milling facility and they didn't know, they were they were like losing money and all he did was he like went and asked how many units they were producing. And the guy said eight, you know, so he went on the, on the wall and just wrote down eight, you know, with a piece of chalk. And then the next shift showed up and they're like, what's that mean? He's like, well, that's how many units the guys in the last shift produced. And then they erased it and they wrote down nine. And then the next shift came in and wrote down 10 and 11 and so forth. And that turned around the company, like in a course of a couple of weeks, because they were just measuring their throughput, you know, That's or they crazy. hadn't done it before. And so it kind of gets competitive. I would share it with your team. Um, but again, if you can automate it like a scoreboard, you know, and it can be on the top of your press and, you know, get emailed out at the end of the day, this is like how many, you know, shirts we produce. And everyone knows that, like, let's say it's, let's say you're covering your nut um, of your business expenses with 10,000 shirts. And so when you hit that 10,000 shirts, celebrate like that month and crack open some beers or a bottle of champagne or whatever it might be uh, and say, hey, now everything that we're printing on top of this is go straight to growth, you know, go straight to, to right. you know, making our business more profitable and more successful. And when everyone something? knows that number, everyone can be involved in selling those over 10,000 shirts or printing those over 10,000 shirts or fulfilling all those over 10,000 shirts or cleaning the screens for those over 10,000 shirts and be a lot more excited about those tasks. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Don. Yeah. So what I wanted to add to that point is when you're looking at, 
your throughput and you're looking at your efficiency. It's also important when you have that software that tracks, it tracks when you put a job on, on your machine and it tracks your downtime. Because because we've talked about labor being one of the most expensive pieces of running a business, you want to know how much of your labor is spent for downtime versus making you money. <laughs> and that's also a very important piece when, when you're in production, it's really important to know how much you're spending on downtime because there's a lot of waste in downtime. And now that gives you data, it gives you helpful data to go back and figure out what are ways. And that's where the 5S leaning comes into place as well, where you can figure out how do you increase your efficiency as an organization to make that money, that labor you're spending make more money for you because even though to Ryan's point about making 10,000 units and you're profitable, could you be even more profitable because you didn't have as much downtime in those 10,000 units than what you originally had? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget about like the dark room, right? We don't charge typically. I mean, anymore, you don't see many shops charge like a screen fee. It's just rolled into the cost of the garment. Right. But that's Technically, I mean, and what you're saying, it's downtime because that's not time that that press is spending, you know, putting a shirt, you know, through a dryer, basically. And then you also have cleanup, which I think a lot of people neglect thinking about that as well as a piece of that downtime. So when people are going through and really understanding what the time spent on a job, you have to start at artwork, step one, and you have to go all the way through to step seven, you know, cleanup and say, how much time did I spend from there to there? It's not just about how fast your press is. And I, you know, it's kind of funny. It's always a misnomer when people are shopping, you know, they're at a trade show and, you know, you got us and all these other companies, oh, 1400 shirts an hour on this press and 1800 shirts an hour on this, you know, people start doing this math in their head. And it's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, are you printing film from a Epson 1430 printer that takes two minutes of transparency to print? Are you a good artist? Are you efficient there? You know, have you automated your cleanup? Have you automated your darkroom? You know, all those things have to be taken in consideration in that downtime as well. And it, it gets cumbersome. And I think that most people lose their time in those places. It's just not something that you think about because um, you're just going through the motions. So definitely important part. Well, before we wrap up, I just wanted to see, Ryan, if you have any just kind of key takeaways, a message to everyone listening about what we talked about today. Um, and also, please plug yourself and uh, where they can find you uh, on the web and, and Ryanette and screenprinting.com. Yeah, so you can, uh, so first of all, what's the next thing you're going to measure? You know, what are you going to do with that measurement? And so I think picking a problem area in your shop and starting to measure that and then analyzing that and making some choices off that, that would be a challenge for every shop listening because everyone can do that with something. And then second, uh, was like, if you ever have questions, we sit down with shops all the time and, uh, you know, it's really, I, I think it's fun to analyze that. And so feel free to reach out to me. My Instagram is Ryan more no e at the end so m-o-o-r and uh or ryanet or screenprinting.com and yeah colin is also a great resource at ryanet you know to help dial in those efficiencies it's kind of what he focuses on from the product perspective and uh, screenprinting.com is a great place to be that channel where you can get those consumables and you know lower those pennies per shirt and not worry about the five dollar discount <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah I mean, it's like the, and not have to run out. That's the point, you know? 
Absolutely. And you guys can help people with uh, con bonding as well. I know that that's something that uh, you're passionate about and that there's, you know, information on and you guys can help people get those systems set up to be um, efficient and not run out of product. So awesome, man. Well, I want to say thank you, Ryan and Don for joining us today. We really appreciate it. It was a great show. Um, you guys have a, a great rest of your week. And uh, thank you all out there in cyberspace for listening. And uh, rock on. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Big thanks to our special guest, Ryan Moore of Ryanet and Rock US's own Don Haddon for participating today. As always, thank you for spending time with us this week. Tune in at your convenience wherever you listen to your podcast by searching Rock Shop Talk. On our next show, we'll feature the subject of professional packaging. If you'd like to request to be on the show, please visit rock.us slash rockshoptalk. That's roq.us slash roqshoptalk. If you found today's episode helpful, the greatest accolade we could ask for is for you to recommend it to a friend who you think may find it helpful as well. Please like, share, and subscribe on social media. Until next time, rockers, press on. Press on.